0: fitness reborn podcast is a companion piece to renaissance fitness personal training this podcast is to serve as educational and entertainment purposes only it does not in any way constitute as medical advice if you have a medical concern please seek out your provider Hello, everybody, everyone on the internet world. This is the latest episode of the Fitness Reborn podcast. My name is Sean from Renaissance Fitness Personal Training, where we put movement ahead of workout. And my guest today is Talktum Thomas, all right? She is a mindset, a fitness and nutrition and health coach. And she has, like I said before we started recording here, she's got a pretty remarkable background. Um, everyone I've talked to has a really great background. This is why they're on my show, but, uh, talk to him, I think has a little bit more in her background and I think it's really interesting. I want to go into it with her because it kind of, all of it kind of like gels into the woman I'm speaking to today and talk to him. Thanks so much for coming on.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Sean. I'm very excited about this conversation.
0: Good. Good. I'm glad, I'm glad you're on here too, because um reading through your background and your profile you've seen you're very open you've been through i think more than most people in the first part of your life you've been through more and i think most people go through in their life at least in in the first world in the first world um so let's start let's start with where we're at right now so how did you get into coaching people
1: honestly it has always uh been part of me, I just didn't know. And I didn't know that this was my calling until I got to a point last year where I wasn't very comfortable in my life. And I had literally um, a moment where I said to my husband, I just cannot live a single day anymore like this. Um, And so I'm not a religious person. So I I I don't belong to any organized religion, but I did went I did go down on my knees and I really said I need help. This is not going into the right direction and something needs to happen. So I went to bed that night and the next morning I woke up and listened to a podcast. And I listened to the guest that was on and everything he was saying resonated with me and I felt a pull. So I researched that person and signed up with him. First coach I've ever hired in my 40 years. And I thought it was just a fitness journey maybe, but I felt something else about him and this person just, uh, spoke to me and everything he said resonated with me and since then my life has been upside down literally to a point uh, that he said you see what one person it doesn't have to be your mom it doesn't have to be your neighbor it doesn't have to be somebody in your immediate family um, can do for you and you can do that for other people as well And not only can you do it, you owe it. You owe it to the world and you just need to step into your true self. So ever since, I've been working relentlessly, literally every day on not only becoming my my true self, but also sharing my story sharing how I overcame most of the things that you were talking about. So um, hoping that anybody who feels a connection with me now, even online, this is a beautiful way online to connect with people who are connected to you um, to draw them in and to say, I have a system and you can try it for yourself. This is going to help you.
0: What was that breaking point that you spoke about where you just said like, I mean, because that's, I mean, that's pretty, that's that's a pretty big deal here. When you say you're not a religious person, you don't really uh, follow a spiritual guide, so to speak. But then when you get to the point where you're so broken and desperate that you actually are going to pray to something that you don't necessarily believe in and ask for help. I mean, so what got you there?
1: It gives me the chills to think about it, really, because um so even as a as a young adult or a young child, I always felt a connection to a higher power. I couldn't explain it. My mom raised me always talking about energy, energy and the energy and every person is so powerful. So she spoke always about these things and I trusted as a child and I lost this child. Uh, The trust throughout, I would say, throughout my 20s, when I call it when I got domesticated. I just lost the trust and the faith in uh, my future prosperity, that there's a higher power that always has my back. And um, that night, it was nothing that I thought about. I just know that I was... My heart was broken about my life. And it wasn't, Sean, it wasn't like I have a horrible life. I just knew I wasn't doing the things that I'm supposed to do. I just knew I wasn't evolving into a direction that was meant for me. And I couldn't figure out and couldn't put put my finger on it and say, this is what I need to do. This is why I'm here. This is my purpose. So I went down on my knees and I cried and I, I said to my husband, if it wouldn't be for my children, I don't know what this life is about right now for me. What is it worth it? Why am I here? And I was deeply, deeply, deeply asking for help and guidance to find purpose. And I think, and I know, I see it now. So many people are struggling with it. And I know many of the answers now that I didn't know because I am guided by a very, very strong person. But the more I learn, the more I realize I know nothing. I don't know anything. I'm not aware of 90% of my life. And I have to make it aware. That's my daily, daily work. I have to be aware of the things I have to make him aware; otherwise, I can't change him.
0: Hmm. Interesting. All right. So, so that was you. You. This was a a year ago. You said it was
1: last year in last October. year. October.
0: Last year mm-hmm. in October. Okay. So let's go back a little bit further here. So let's talk about let's talk about your early life. So very it's very storied. I'll just just say that, and I'll let you take it the rest of the way. So, yeah, just go on ahead.
1: Yes, and interrupt me, because these stories go on and on, and they're long. Feel free to interrupt me if a question pops up. But I was basically raised in Iran uh, for the first three and a half years. Now, at the end of 70s, we had the revolution. So my parents chose to move out of Persia, and my mom took all three of us, I'm the youngest of three, and fled through Turkey. No, we couldn't take any papers, no passports, no birth uh, certificate, no photos, nothing personal because we were going on vacation and nobody knew we were not coming back but my dad. My dad stayed back because it would have been too obvious that the family is leaving. So she fled, No little cash, but doesn't speak the language anywhere else. She went to Germany. Cause she had a few friends in germany and some our most iranian and persian people fled to the us la so she had some friends in germany we ended up there and um it was hard i mean it was hard for my mom she didn't have uh any skills any language skills she didn't have uh barely any money and she uh tried to start a new life there i remember That she at some point went to a grocery store, filled up her cart and said, I'm going to take this with me. I don't have any money, but my children are hungry. And so they called the police at the store. And from there on, the officials took over and helped her out through uh, government money, which she didn't know that such things existed. So this, these are just um challenges you know going to school as young children and being different and being from an entirely different culture that was challenging for us and about six months later my dad uh joined us and he was unfortunately both of my parents were raised very challenged as well so he had some trauma and pain and he was very abusive uh towards my mom a lot uh, I remember towards me, towards my siblings, so he was uh, not David Gargan style, but he was, you know, you go into the room with a belt kind of situation, and then the door is shut. So, and again, I remember a scene, there are always these scenes that I remember, although I was very young, um, that I just imprinted in in my head, and a scene where I did something and my dad put me into this room and he basically beat me down with his belt and the fact that he was doing that was painful but the fact that my mom was sitting in front of the door and not doing anything that was worse for me because now we're in a situation where your your mom is not uh, protecting you from these things and really later when i had my first child i that was even harder for me to digest that these you have such love for your children and then you don't protect them when they get beat up it doesn't matter by, by whom it was it, it was something that i couldn't understand to this day i can't understand so my mom decided to get divorced finally from my dad in germany which fortunately in germany because uh the mom gets the children or she got the children in in iran it would have been the opposite the the dad would have gotten the children and so she was struggling herself she was really um struggling being by herself now having the three kids and still she used to be a nurse in iran but not being able to work she started cleaning houses and doing things that she did not enjoy but she did it and then uh, she she got together with this man and this man (laughs) brought drugs and alcohol into our house which was the perfect storm for her so she had all this trauma herself and she went through more trauma as an adult now she has the kids she did not enjoy her life it was just too hard for her and she didn't know a way out so the drugs and alcohol were perfect a perfect band-aid for her um and so she she went all in she was smoking every day every night uh opium so she was uh sleeping a lot um, and I was at that point basically raising myself from getting up in the morning, going to school, getting dressed. Um, I did not take any food to school because I didn't know better. Sometimes we didn't even, she bought food at the, the beginning of the month when she got money, but then at the end of the month, there was not much left. Um, and you know, that was, that was all that, I was like six, seven, eight, nine and I was still top of my class at that point so I always tried to protect her I always tried to make it seem like nothing is going on at home and um but the teachers here and there noticed because we went on trips and I didn't get picked up and I never had food at school and I she never a single time showed up to any parent um conferences or anything and. I still, like, I kind of knew something was going on, but I didn't realize how bad it was. Actually, I didn't realize how bad it was, honestly, Sean, until last year. I also had some therapy last year um, until my therapist said, I just want to be clear in the beginning because I said, I don't know if I have any problems. And she said, I I just want to be clear. We have a scale from one to eight to determine how big the trauma is. And you are eight or beyond eight from what you have filled out. And I said, okay. I I didn't realize. I never knew how dramatic it was until I shared here and there and saw the reaction of people in their faces and thinking, what the heck did happen to you? So to that point, uh, drugs and alcohol came into our lives and I basically raised myself. I just made it work until, um, until I couldn't. And I started slipping at school. I started not being so, you know, interested in school. I started to find friends that were much older and introducing cigarettes and a little bit of drinking and a little bit of pot and all of that. And um, it went on for maybe two, three years and um, about 10, whatever, this is all a guess because everything that happened basically between Age nine and 12 is a little bit of a blur for me. And I think my brain was just overloaded with trauma and feelings that I don't, I can't tell you exactly what age I was. So I was about 10 when I started saying, I can't live at home anymore. This is toxic. She's just asleep. She mentally, when she was awake, she basically told me all day, every day, what a piece of shit I am, um, because that's how she felt about herself. Um, my siblings were busy with their own, own things. They were older, three years older. And then my brother is six years older. So, um, I started going to, to the government and saying, I can't live at home. And they were saying, asking why. And I was saying, I, you know, it's not good at home. And I, I didn't want to rat her out. I was still very loyal to her. And I just didn't want to say what was going on. So it went back and forth I had to fight for about a year first and then um I had two of my friends I had an involuntary sexual intercount with them uh they basically they were uh, two boys of uh, 15 16 and uh they just they were five, six years older than me. And it was a situation where they just took over me. Um, And that was just a tipping point for me where I said, okay, my parents clearly cannot protect me from anything. Um, My friends, my so-called called called friends are not interested in, in, you know, anything that is good for me, drugs, alcohol, and now sex. And so I just made a decision to take it uh, up on me and I finally got put into like a it's it's like a home where you still have contact with your family and you still have uh, contact with the officials and they have to make a decision and determine if you're gonna go actually live in an orphanage or in a home or not and that place was supposed to be, I think, for six weeks, and I lived there. And my mom was playing her role every time we went home. Uh, she was, you know, all dolled up and dressed up, and everything looked great, and she was in a good mood. and And so they finally said, oh, "I think you need to go live home. I, we don't. We can't find you. Cannot tell us that there's anything um, bizarre about your your home." and we can't find any evidence that you shouldn't live home and so uh you have to go home so and i was in this institution and i chose before age 12 i basically chose to t- try to take my life so that was that was the tipping point and, They basically said, Okay, something is going on here. Something is not right. This kid needs help. So they put, they asked me at the hospital, They asked me, Which home do you want to live in? There was this nice lady, and let's just put you there and then we figure it out. We figure out what's going on, but let's put you first there. So I went and lived there and that place was amazing it was just such a relief for me I just was at home nobody was yelling at me I just had food in the fridge I just had a roof over my head I just had everything was so normal and that's all I wanted I just wanted to have something normal so I started thriving and I had suddenly suddenly rules and um by age 16, about age 16, and they're therapists, and they try to reconnect you with your parents, so all that work was going on, but by the end of the day, uh, I stayed there until I was about 16, and they said, you're just ready to, to move into your own house or apartment if you would like to, and they give you a little budget to furnish your apartment, and I started working, and i started continuing my school and before before i went in there sean i i knew all these kids went in there and they basically stepped into the footsteps of their parents and i knew i didn't want that i knew i wanted to prove to my parents and to my friends and to my family that it was not me. It was my environment. And I need to prove to you who I am. So I went on and I uh, started making my own money at age 16, living in my own apartment. And there was somebody from the government first checking on me, I think, weekly and then every I don't know, monthly, and then six months, and then once a year, and I, they were always there for me, just a phone call away if I needed anything, um, until I was 18. And then, you know, I just continued going to school, and I continued living my life, uh, being a waitress, and, and then working. People always, the universe always gave me opportunities. People came into my life, and I did great jobs, and got management jobs, and I made decent, plenty of money, and I just created the life that I wanted, Uh, went for my bachelor's degree, and then for my master's degree, and I'm now in a PhD program, and I have two kids, and live with my husband, and really, I mean, on and on and on and on and on, it's just telling the story uh, throws me back in there, but It was, as bizarre as it sounds, I'm so happy that I got to do this and went through it. Came out the other side. Because I have such trust in myself. There's nothing that can come my way. And I feel unprepared to attack it. I have created strategies and a mindset to just trust myself I could have chosen to say that's just life and I I am you know an um, a victim of my environment and I am just going to not do anything with my life
0: where do you yeah. suppose where do you where do you suppose your determination really came from? Because, like you said, like almost all the kids who go come out of situations that you came into, and they got put in this home, and you know, all of them probably said to themselves that you know, it, to some degree, like I don't want that. I don't want to live like that. I don't want my kids living like that. And but, but most of them, we knew, know statistically, are going to go down that same route and it's the rare exception that really kind of jumps not only survives it but then thrives afterwards like you have so where do you think where do you think your uh, particular determination really came from where do you think it sprung from that kind of separates you from your peer group
1: i think value for yourself in uh I. everybody has their own view of themselves. Everybody knows deep down there is a Sean inside of you that you maybe have not brought out yet. The best version of yourself, your highest self. That person, if you keep that in mind, whoever that is, that person that I respect, that person, me, you might have a different person, the person that I respect, the discipline behind getting the things that you want in life and the faith and the imagination of this is going to happen. I, I know I am going to leave this home not doing the same. So I have created a vision of myself in four, five, six years, looking in a certain way, making a certain amount of money and having disciplined myself to continue going to school and not doing the drugs and not doing the alcohol and not doing all of that. So I just trust this is going to happen for me. I trust myself and then I work my ass off to get there. There's no deviation from, it's not just a bubble. People are, I think the difference is the others have chosen comfort and weakness versus me. And as harsh as it sounds, when you have the chance to say no, because you have character and integrity, because you know who you are. My version of myself, when I saw my mom, she was... A very, very, very strong, determined person. Drugs and alcohol took the rug out of... I mean, she fell. There is a fine line between who I am today and I bring that every day into my life to remember this. There's a fine line between the person who is right now here and my mother. There are only a few decisions in between. And... People don't realize that this is what makes the difference. All these little decisions leaning into the, the weakness and the pleasure that's calling us to give us a short-term relief over sitting in your pain and dealing with it and saying, what is this pain teaching me? What, this happened for me. I said in it, I said in it, why is this happening? I have asked my child, uh, myself as a child, why is this happening to me over and over and over? And when you sit with it and you realize everybody around you is telling you, you're so strong. And when you say something, you do it. I realize this happened for me. This made me who I am. Thank you. Thank you for giving me this mother thank you for giving me this situation that i had no choice but getting out of it's all perception
0: right it's a i think that's an important point to make because like you said it's a fine line between who your mother is and who you are right now Mm. and it's all about just key decisions that we've made in our lives here so you know you chose to go one route I mean, your mother self-medicated, very obviously. She was depressed, divorced. She had kids to raise. You know, culturally, she was in an alien environment. And all this kind of stuff just kind of besieged her. And she just gave into it. And you could have done the same with your own background coming from this, you know, horrendous be- this horrendous uh, background of abuse. And just kind of yeah. fell into it. Yeah. But that's, but, you, but you did but you didn't do that, and it was just a few key decisions here and there, right?
1: It's accumulated, and I did go down that route. I got lost. So in my mid twenties, I was with with a person who introduced alcohol into my life. So I was mm. staying away from all of it because of my mother, and he introduced it, but in a way. That was presented to me drinking at home, really nice wines, really nice bourbon. And now we are faint, you know, we have some money and we're fancy and drinking fancy wine. And that got me. And I thought, you know, it's not that bad if you drink that $100 bottle of wine or the, you know, the $100 bourbon. And suddenly I didn't feel as bad about myself. But I did still in the beginning feel bad about my personality being altered. So I didn't drink outside. I just drank inside. And once I came to the U.S., it was all gone out the window. In college, everybody was drinking, day drinking. Drinking is just part of the culture in Midwest at least. So I drank more and more. And it ended up being a glass of wine, for sure, a glass of wine on the weekends every night, two glasses, then a bourbon, and then, uh, mm. oh, it's summer, it's the upper roll spritz, and then, and so on. And I found, found myself suddenly drinking three, four, five times a week, going on vacation, all inclusive restaurants, have all this booze, and, you know, elevating my taste, basically. Uh, and that, that made me drift off very far from where I needed to go. Right. And even having that one glass that night where I had my breakdown, I had, I think, one glass of wine or one beer. And I just, it was just against me. And I knew it. And I never put that glass down because it was for me always the, I just need to relax. I just need to relax. I just need that glass of wine. But that glass of wine, these are the little decisions that we make that fill us. First of all, you disconnect from your inner voice. You do not sit in the evening. You want that because you want to escape the feelings that come up in the evening. So you do not sit with it. So that day was wasted for me. I didn't learn anything from it. I didn't sit in my pain, whatever it was when I was overwhelmed with my children. So, and I see now, unfortunately, it's just part of the culture. Everybody drinks and it's okay. And everybody gets wasted and it's okay. And I just see, I took it away out of my life and it made a huge difference for me, a huge
0: Yeah, alcohol consumption, not just in the Midwest, but everywhere in the United States and in, you know, Western civilization itself, you know, if you look in England, France, that kind of stuff. Germany. I mean, Germany. Yeah, I mean, it's just the drinking is part of the socialization of people who live in these parts of the world. And almost to the degree, like, if you don't drink, you're almost considered asocial.
1: (laughs) It's, It's now my life. There's no way around it. First of all, people ask you why. Like you're an alien, why do you not drink? And secondly, I have lost so many friends that don't want to hang out with me anymore because I don't drink anymore. And I don't even allow drinking at my house because I don't want to have it around my children. Mm -hmm. And I always say we don't have cocaine parties here. I don't care if it's legal or not. Just a little bit of cocaine. Nobody would notice, but we still don't do it. So have some respect for yourself and don't do it around my children. So they don't don't want to come here anymore. And it's okay. It's okay.
0: Yeah. I gave up alcohol about uh, at least five years ago now. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I I can say my life is definitely improved a great deal. I mean, there was times I had great fun while I was drinking. I also had times when I was in a stupor and the alcohol just took me down even further. Um, I never did anything like attempted suicide or anything like that. but you know you know the thought every now and again did creep into my mind when I was at my lowest of lows I just I guess I didn't have enough guts to actually go through with it but um yeah it's a but no I get you yeah you do lose part a big part of your life sadly when you decide well you're not going to consume this legal drug anymore and
1: um you know I love it I love it I believe in the law of attraction which is also the law of repulsion I hope you would mm-hmm. say I repel the people that I don't belong to anymore and I attract the people that do belong into my life. So it's okay. It's okay. Right. And I upset yeah. people all the time because I don't think it's only, it's all the vices, whatever is calling you. If it's food addiction, if it's alcohol, if it's pot, whatever it is you're doing to escape your reality, let's make your reality so fun and so dope that you do not want to get out of it. What if you could make every hour of the day $3,000? Would you actually get wasted and waste your time like that? And I don't think so. I, I think people have given up hope on themselves. And I think people have given up to believe they can actually do better. And I am here to say you can do better. You can. you If every day carving out the best of yourself and it starts with fitness and nutrition we need to get all the toxins out of your body we need to make you proud going to the gym every day is going to make you proud having a body that you can show
0: without Mm. feeling
1: ashamed is going to make you proud the pride is if you look on the um i don't know if you're familiar with that but on the on the energetic vibration scale it's, a much, bit it. mm-hmm. it's much higher it's somewhere in the middle when we drink when we get wasted when we don't remember all these feelings all that shame is right on the on the lowest so you wake up the next day or in the middle of the night and and you have this feelings of oh, what happened do i remember did, what did i say all this shame is just going to attract more shit into your life if mm-hmm. if you if you're willing to work you can get to such much better places you can get up and be excited without anxiety right gosh right. this country is just like anxiety anxiety is just through the roof everybody is a popping a pill today because that's just what they do
0: mm-hmm. so let's go let's go into that so Let's go into your coaching program. So obviously I think how you were raised, how you grew up and how how your life unfolded has probably bled into how you coach people. And you've kind of already touched on that saying like, well, people, people too often fall into uh, comfort and laziness. And this is, you know, a lot of people, particularly coaches, we're being taught to shy away from using these terms like comfort and laziness because they think it's too much of a judgment call um against against people that you may or may not even know very well, but I think if you know yourself pretty well and you know you know what got you down the road that you're dealing with someone who's currently in that same position that you were once in, however many years earlier, you probably know why they got there and how they got there, so it's not too much of a it's not too much of a a uh, of a you know a wild card assumption to know. Why they're there, and what is troubling them. So, I mean, you you, you maybe want to use more more uh, more diplomatic language than saying calling you a lazy bum or something like that. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think that probably, I think that probably is at least to some degree a very accurate description of what's going on. Because comfort's very easy; it's more easier now than ever before. Luxury and comfort. Are givens now. It's something that people expect. You know, it's something that you know. You work during the week. You find your comfort on the weekend. You have these two days where you just kind of bum around and you do what you want, right? So yes, and you know, we stuff our lives with things like work and distractions and parties and kids and things like that. And what ends up happening is that we are our, our uh, attention is everywhere but on ourselves. And so, where we get to the point where, until the point we get there, we're you know. Maybe forty or fifty years old. We're seeing our image in the mirror, and it's like, oh my god, I don't like that at all. But you really don't know where to start. You know, I, I know I'm preaching to the choir here, but um,
1: no, it's it's fine. I mean, I want to hear, uh, I want to hear all of that, really, right,
0: right. So I think you're, I think like, so I want again, I wanted to talk about your coaching program here. So I saw something like you talk about the power of non-negotiable habits here. So Talk to us about that.
1: So what I have discovered is people are lazy and I don't even say it hard enough for two reasons. One, if I don't call people out on what they are doing, they are not going to wake up. If I comfort you in your inaction, I am helping you to get further down. And I'm not here to participate in your bullshit. I have to tell you, you are being weak and you're feeling sorry for yourself. You need to wake up and understand that if you're eating 25 donuts every day and you're 350 pounds, you are being selfish. And I know you don't feel that way, but at this point, you are a liability to everybody around you. Everybody has to take care of you. Nobody can talk about bikinis. Nobody, everybody feels like... They have to tiptoe around you. So you're being selfish by saying, I want to eat at any time, anything I want. I want to drink whenever I want. I want to get out of bed whenever I want. So if we follow all these wants that are not helping us versus following all these needs that are helping us, then you're not contributing to humanity. I'm sorry. Do I want to speak about all of this? No, but I have to because I feel as if there's one soul, one teenager, one person that was in my shoes and is listening to this and saying, maybe this person can help me out, then it's my responsibility. So now I'm bringing value to the table, going beyond my comfort zone. I'm stepping out of my comfort zone. And when I I speak like that on social media, just like that, because, Sean, if people feel attacked, then this is for you. It's a choice you're making when I say you're being lazy into the camera and they feel spoken to. So that's your conscience telling you, maybe you need to listen to this person. They're feeling attacked. That's a choice they're making. I'm... You're coming into my house on social media and listening to me. You know, if I tell you, you are you are a very bad speaker and you're not, Sean. You're a very good speaker. So it wouldn't even bother you. <laughs> I right? might
0: believe it, actually. I don't think I'm all that great of a speaker, but I do my best. <laughs> yes.
1: Whatever it is that you're really good at, it just passes you. You don't even care about it because it's, there's no evidence in your life that this is true. The only reason people feel attacked is because they feel threatened in their comfort zone. So now mm. I'm threatening you in mm-hmm. your comfort zone and you have to, to make a decision. You either hate on me or You say, maybe I need to put my ego down and listen to this person and say, can you help me? These are the only two choices. There is. Hmm. So I'm not going to I'm not going to anymore be domesticated by what do I need to say to comfort everybody and be everybody's cup of tea? It's impossible. I'm just going to lose myself and what I like. I listen to the music that I like. I dress the way I like. I am I say the things that I think is true, and you know what? If next year I think a little bit differently about it, that's okay too. But I can sit with somebody at the table and say, "Let me listen to what you gotta say, and let's talk about this, and we can get up and be still f- friends." But this is not very common here. People want to make a want to put you into a box and say, "I'm gonna leave you in there. You're wrong in everything you say." I don't even want to hear it. I only want to interact with people who think the same. Well, at this point, I'm not opening my mind to anything else.
0: Hmm. How do people generally respond to that? I mean, I, I know you're, you're, no matter what you say on social media, you could be the nicest, gentlest, kind, kindest thing anyway. You're going to get yes. somebody chiming yes. in saying, saying, you know, you're a dumb shit. Blah yes. blah 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 blah. I've had that happen so many times. I'm putting like so much positivity out there. I'm trying to say you can do this for yourself, that kind of thing. And always I get some jerk in there who is just gonna is gonna try to like you know, try to tear down everything I say. Um you know, and then why- Yeah, yeah, I know why, because they're insecure and this is what insecure people do. They troll Facebook and they look for fights.
1: Not only know, so- that. The world is not as it is. The world is as you are. So if you're, if you, so attitude is truly looking, if you're looking for anything, you're watching this podcast, somebody is listening to it, watching it, and they're going to try constantly to look for the bad, to look for the negative. Guess what? They're going to find it. They're going to find it. And this is how they go through life. They open the door, it's raining. Uh, My car didn't uh, turn on. My shoes don't fit. Whatever it is, they didn't have the bread at the store that I wanted. Everything, if you want evidence for negativity in your life, you're going to find it. But Uh you can use the same power and look for positivity in life. And so they're going onto your profile. And in their head, they're so miserable. And they feel so bad about themselves. That they have to reflect it onto you. It doesn't matter what you said. That's what, how they read it. This is how they receive the information. So I don't, I, on social media, of course, I get that shit. I get yeah. that shit. And you know, Sean, everything that I have heard before is happening. Your friends are not your friends. Your family is not going to like it. You're, you know, all of these things that all the people always say, it's happening. It's happening and this is actually a good sign. It's a good sign because you it's impossible that you have met so many people in your life that just by proximity and you're all on the same page. So I have right. made very deep friendships through social media very honest and deep and I have lost friends and family.
0: So yeah, yeah.
1: And to my, uh, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. No, go ahead. About my program. This is what we do. We start you off. You have to, there's no way around it. We have to get you straight with your diet. I put you on macros. That means you have to eat a certain amount of protein, certain amount of carbohydrates, and a certain amount of fat. If you follow this, depending on where you start and what your goal is, but you'll be ripped and looking better than 95% of the people. On top of that, we are going to, um, we, I have Shoot. two apps. So the other app is basically for your workout routine. You're going to work out six to seven times a week. And depending again on your goal and where you start, we're going to get you into, uh, into shape. And then you feel a sense of pride. And at that point, we start adding more non-negotiable tasks to your plate every day. And the discipline brings always the best out of people and depending i have um ceos that basically they start far ahead so they are already relatively disciplined compared to other people so we have to tweak it a little bit i give them macros and a workout plan and then we have to uh just add more tasks like reading and writing and journaling and meditating and Things that are just important to get yourself straight and find your true inner self. Um, and that's that's it, basically. We create habitually the person you needed, Sean, in your life. Whoever that is, you needed as a boy, as a man, the person we all wait for to come and save us and rescue us. You mm-hmm. create that person... And then you go and give it back to the world.
0: So as you're building these non-negotiable habits, okay, you start with one, you start maybe small, just getting like the, the numbers right, the macros, mm-hmm. um, weight, that kind of thing here too. Uh, all the stuff that you can easily, that's easily like, um, tangible and quantifiable. Uh, How do you account for things that aren't so tangible, like mindset and, you know, and uh, spiritual health, however it might be? You know, I'm not a I'm not a religious person whatsoever. I don't go to church. I stopped believing that stuff when I was about 12. Um, I wouldn't call myself an atheist. Um, I have spiritual guide guides, spiritual leanings. So I wouldn't say that philosophically, I don't believe that there is no creator at all um but i definitely do not um follow in denomination i don't go to any house of worship or anything like that mm-hmm. um but that is part that is part of what makes me me it's like that spiritual component so that and that's something that you don't really easily define so if that's and that means a lot to a lot of people that's part of like um this gentleman i spoke to a number of uh weeks ago he um what he is a part of the organization he's a part of, they have a very kind of, they have a Christian slant to it. So they, they they believe in building strength, getting healthy, and they believe that God has prescribed this. God commands them to be this way, to be strong and healthy and to do good and that kind of thing. So how, how would you really help someone along in that way?
1: I let everybody be as they are when it comes to, to that. In my opinion, all religions are speaking the same. Mm-hmm. And I don't need, I don't go to church. I, I'm not Christian. I'm not Muslim. I'm not any of that either. But the quintessence of religion and being spiritual and believing in a higher power, once I understood that this is all the same it is all for me the same so if you want to be christian and go to church and do whatever you think uh belongs to that then and it's and it's forwarding you in life it's not harming you then i mm. i don't see any point in in um taking that or trying to bash it. it's right right so I I don't really ask anyone if they belong to a religion when they get on my program. I just want them to understand that we are all part of nature. There are universal laws that we cannot escape. So if you think that you're so special being different than a plant that is growing out of a sea towards the sun, then go ahead and do it. It's okay. But by the end of the day, we all have the same desires We are unique in the way that we can contribute to humanity, in my opinion, in very, very unique ways. But we all have the same problems. I see it with my clients. Everybody struggles with the same problems. Everybody wants to find a purpose. Everybody wants to find a direction. We have to get there, first and foremost, with your body and with your health. And I agree if you are toxifying your body with vices with uh gambling tv if if you throw garbage in you will get garbage out so you have to be very intentional about what you eat how you move your body if you're going to read a book what kind of book it is so we do talk about those things and i don't have to tell them become spiritual in this process They come up with questions and start connecting with themselves and experience it. There is no magic pill. And for some people, it happens earlier and for some later. I don't speak about that at all. We have non-negotiable habits and they will see suddenly questions and they get downloads and they get connections to the universe it just happens magically, constantly. We experience the same.
0: Right. So what are the key habits? There is, uh, you know, you marked out the key habits of happiness and health. You may have already touched on it already with the non-negotiables. Yes. But can go into the a little bit. With, is there a more of expansive definition of that in terms of like what happiness and health is and how what those key cornerstones can be?
1: Happiness, everybody, again, is looking for happiness. Happiness lies in the journey of feeling free. When you realize that your life is under control, when you are not that victim anymore to your own story that you're telling yourself, you're telling yourself constantly, I'm not a morning person. I don't want to get up. I don't, uh I'm not an, a good writer. I'm not a good speaker. Whatever the to- story is you're telling yourself, you need to stop that. So negative thoughts, thought patterns, big one. We create those habits habitually, getting up early, earning your right, being thankful for this life, going to the gym, going, going, eating healthy, nourishing your body, nourishing your mind with a good read, a good book, write it, write out loud what your thoughts are what are your regrets from yesterday what did you do did you did you go gamble did you go to the strip club did you watch the porn what is it that you truly don't want to do but you have constantly this calling what is it is it are you anorexic is it what is it that is specifically to you a problem and we're going to create non-negotiable habits around that it's very individual but the key components are always workouts and nutrients Mm -hmm. everything else we custom even more so what is sean's problem what are we dealing with what are we and discipline will beat it out of you You, it would just fall Mm -hmm. off you have to trust there's a good good future right one thing
0: i do tell people i work with is that you expect failures expect that you're going to slip up it happens you're we're all people. We have moments of weaknesses, and that just that just kind of happens. Now, you can you're it's going to happen. I've mar- rarely met a flawless person who has never really hit a wall somewhere, or has slipped up somehow, or has given in to some sort of weakness. Um, but one, like you said, you don't accept what you did as a being okay, and two you have to be able to pick yourself up and keep going and expect more from yourself. And actually that's how you grow. You know, you actually, you you fall apart to varying degrees, you slip up and then you learn and then you keep going, you get up and keep going. Do you agree with that?
1: Yes. I agree for sure with, we grow and we, failure is part of it Mm -hmm. i don't understand why people try to avoid failure it is as silly as it sounds just like that baby that starts walking it will never ever get up and walk failure (laughs) is is part of it
0: yeah go ahead i i I could could probably tell you why i can tell you why because school tells you that mistakes are bad
1: domestication Mm -hmm. it's just not true and here's the other thing it's not just failure so if i am on a if i'm on a deficit and if i'm not eating if i want to lose weight so obviously i'm not eating 5000 calories but i have been eating 5000 calories now i'm hungry i find myself hungry this is your calling you asked for something you asked the universe for being healthy for being strong the universe is giving you challenges to overcome those and say I built this person. If it would be easy, it wouldn't be worth it. This is just part of the journey. You're going to have this call and sometimes maybe you're going to slip. But consistency is always going to bring you to your goal. You just have to put the timeline out. Don't think that you are you ate for 45 years like a garbage container And now suddenly after three months, you're going to look like a pinup model. It just doesn't work that way. So just relax for a second, learn new habits. Let's take this by the root and just start from scratch. Rethink, learn something new.
0: Exactly. Right. There's no growth without failure. Yeah. And like I said, and like, and like I said, and like I said before, it's like, I know why. I know why people think that failure is such a bad thing and and it's because I can tell you why I thought that is because school taught me that, you know, school is yeah. all about judging you on marks and getting the right answers. Yeah. And, and if you don't get the right answer, especially if it's something like very, like very uh, objective, like maybe mathematics or science or something like that, if you don't have the right answer, if you didn't get the right answer definitively, then it's just wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but well, I guess that's a little bit different here because, you know, you can take a route, you know, with formulas and equations, stuff like that. And you can get to the point point you say, well, that answer doesn't make any sense. And then you do it again. And then eventually you do arrive at the right answer. So I guess that's probably more analogous to what we're talking about here. But, mm-hmm. um, on the whole here, you know, you feel like, you feel like you've been penalized for making a mistake here and then we carry that into adulthood. And so, yeah. This kind of uh, carries over into adulthood. And we, as adults, we get fearful of doing anything that would challenge us and cause us to make mistakes. And so we, again, we fall into this culture of comfort and luxury and, and we don't, we don't stray from it very much or we're very fearful of going outside of what is known to us. And I see this all the time in people that I see, you know, I try talking them into doing things or try talking them into pursuing certain things. And there's a a heavy amount of resistance towards it because, you know, things are not great, but things are stable now. And this would make things rather unstable.
1: It's the most stupid thing they can do because what are you afraid of losing the shitty life that you have already? It doesn't make sense at all. The fear is the number one problem holding people back Mm -hmm. for you starting a podcast. It must have been a challenge, whatever the challenge was. If it was technical, finding a platform, finding guests, whatever it is, speaking, speaking more clearly, what questions. I I mean, all of the things that you had to learn to finally successfully set up a podcast made you a better person. So the real question is, who do you need to become in order to be your true self? Who do you need to become? to attract the things that you want in life. And you will never get there in your comfort zone, you idiot, because what you have been doing has led you to the life that you have. So let's try something new in order to get a different outcome. It's very, it is it is an equation and people have struggling uh, problems. They struggle understanding if I keep doing the same things, I'll get the same outcome. So the Sean today Is a different, Sean, maybe from six months ago or whenever you started your podcast or a year ago?
0: Yeah, it's been a year.
1: Yeah, a year ago. And you had to go through something and it meant growth for you. If we're not growing, we're dying. So don't don't stay in your comfort zone. Don't stay in your same house, same job, same partner, same kids, same vacation, everyday Florida, Destin, whatever it is. I mean then you're surprised yeah. that you don't feel good about yourself it's it's very simple the blueprint is simple execution to get somebody to do something they're on the women i have such problem getting the women to even go into the weight room just going into the weight room yeah. To lift. That, that, right that, that continues to be such an issue too and then you
0: i mean the gym i go to i mean you see women lifting weights all over the place so you kind of think well yeah that this is becoming more mainstream for women to do strength training, but then, you know, overall, overall. Yeah. I mean, these weight rooms are definitely dominated by men still. And it's not like they're saying, it's not like, honestly, the guys in there, they don't mean to make it a boys. No, club. They just, no, they just, just, yeah. just, they just make it, they just gonna make it. They just, they just kind of, you know, congregate there. And, you know, it's just and when you're the one and only female and maybe and if you're only like maybe five foot, three inches tall and you're surrounded by all these bulky guys, then it's kind of an intimidating environment. And
1: I, I, <laughs> I used to be there. I used to think, oh, my God, I don't belong here. And now mm. I go to the gym and I tell you, I kid you not, you can check out my Instagram. Not only do 10 men in the morning come at 430 with me on top of that. I'm the most ripped of all. And they asked me (laughs) for advice and I have earned my place there. I have just earned it. Just go and do the things that are uncomfortable and then you own it. And then you go and you're the boss there because nobody else did it. So there's only beauty waiting behind that wall of fear that is you have only imagined that it's not the man's fault at all it is your projection projection of your insecurities again onto the world the world is not as you as as it is it is really as you are if you're insecure going in there then then they're going right. to then th- th- that's how it is then that's how your world is
0: so okay so you have two children of your own correct 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 so how do you I mean, just with your own childhood as a frame of reference, mm-hmm. how, do you raise, how do you raise your own children? Because one thing I've noticed, like people who come from very traumatic backgrounds, mm-hmm. very, very traumatic, or just not very happy backgrounds where their childhood was not a happy time of their lives, typically they avoid having children mm-hmm. because, because they don't want to perpetuate that trauma mm-hmm. onto another one. So it's almost like an altruistic kind of choice to Mm -hmm. not uh, to not allow this to continue on but you have you have children i I assume they're fairly young in age
1: Mm -hmm. yes um my daughter is six she just turned six and my boy is two he's going to be three in june so i was 36 when i had my daughter and honestly i didn't want to have children similar reasons i didn't know these were the reasons but um until i met my husband and it was kind of he kind of brought that out of me To mm-hmm. want to have children and get want to get married but honestly sean when i had my daughter my whole world stopped i didn't know what was happening all my trauma from my ch- childhood came out and, and i didn't understand if you really feel this way about a child How could my parents have done that? How is that possible? All of the trauma came out. I had to work through all of that. And again, I don't see it as, I don't see it. I never saw it as a sad childhood. I just, I saw it as is. It was a childhood that was given to me. Thankfully, I made it through. My siblings did not make it very well through. My, my brother is not very, he can hardly pay his bills. And my sister is in and out of a mental institution. So thank God. Thank God I had the strength and came through. And with my children, I, we are, I'm very militant and disciplined with them. However, I find always time to also be the loving mom but my children mm-hmm. when we get up in the morning they have responsibilities and i just you know little things like you need to brush your teeth you need to wash your face you need to eat your breakfast you need to put your clothes on we have a checklist for emilia since she is a little bit older um so she has to get her, herself ready there's i teach her about food when we eat foods what i just tell her the story of this is something I learned from my mom. My mom was a great, great mom until she was not. Uh, when, when we eat or drink something, I just, as we are eating and drinking, telling her what the vitamins are inside of, of those foods and she, what they do for us and they are good for us and how the sugar and the, and the flour and all, whatever it is, is just not helping us. So she voluntarily eat, and they enjoy good foods. They're kids. They still like sugar. They still get their sugar. However, I don't love them with sugar. I don't put that band on. I don't drink because I don't want them to. Kids, it doesn't matter what you say to them. You have children. Yeah. They will just mock you. They will do what you do. They watch me work out, so they work out. They watch me eat healthy, so they eat healthy. They watch me do all. They have seen a huge change everything I do has only benefited my children, my husband, everybody around me, my friends, I have influence. And once you speak about it on social media, I don't know how many people reach out to me and say, thank you for saying this. Thank you for helping me. Thank you for this. Thank you for that. It's it's when, when you find what is meant for you, I could never go back. I could never go back to not speaking about it and not helping people. So my kids get raised and they see it all the time. People come to my house that are, if they're living in town who are sick and I help them and my children see that. I'm very open about everything I do.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: That's how I do.
0: Yeah. Do you think, do you think that you've succeeded in your goals?
1: you mean long-term goals generally speaking
0: generally speaking like because like you said earlier that you made yourself pretty much a roadmap when you were very young you were 16 you were emancipated you were on you were on your own living in a living on your own mm-hmm. um i definitely was not living on my own at 16 i don't yeah most of us here in the united states no. you know yeah. we, we are still living at mom and dad's and stuff yeah. like that and we're still more or less dependent on them. We're getting starting to get our independence more and more through getting a driver's license and that sort of thing. Yeah. But it's still, it's still, it's a very small step towards full independence and you were living on your own. Yeah. And so you had, you had probably, you had big ideas and big goals ahead of you. Probably, probably more, more than you really articulated at the time. Yes. And as we go along here, we tend to just keep adding to it. Our goal changes more and more and more. It becomes more expansive because we see the potential growing and we see that we can do more and more and more. And so we want to do more. Um, Are you at a place now where you feel like, you know what? I've really kicked ass in life. No, I'm not. I'm not going to quit. But man, I feel good about myself. No,
1: I feel good about myself. I love waking up. I love my routine. I love my life. But for me, it's not, what do I, yes, there are material things that I want in life, Mm -hmm. but my focus is, who do I need to become? I'm carving out all the layers of shit that have been piled onto me throughout my uh, young adulthood. I'm taking all the layers off. I'm working every day, getting more and more and more closer to that person. Who do I need to become? I have a vision. I have a big vision. And every time I achieve something, I push the goal further out. So in my big, big, big vision, it's ridiculous how big it is. And then I go and I break it down into all these little things that I need to do daily. This is it. You daily create habits that align with the goal you want. And over the course of the next, I don't know, 10, 15 years, hopefully I can say I'm finally the person I have always been. Now I have carved her out entirely and I know Mm -hmm. exactly who I am, but it's a daily process. And I've, you know, I have, I have bad days. I have days where I doubt myself, but those bad days are there. So I know what the good days look, look like. I just have to, my system is, I don't fall onto depression and suicidal anymore. My system, I fall onto my system that is always going to hold me at a level that is still higher than anybody else. On my bad days, I'm doing better than anybody else around me. So on my good days, I'm thriving. But those days, everybody can enjoy good days, right? What are you doing on your bad days when you don't want to get out of bed, when you don't want to uh, do the laundry, when you don't want to play with your children, when they get annoyed, when, when your clients bail out on you, when whatever happens, who are you on those days? The system keeps me alive. This is what people need. You need a system you fall back onto on your bad days. You just mm-hmm. continue pushing because you know good days are coming anyway. All right. That's all. That's yeah. that's all I do. That's it.
0: So talk to him as we start to wind down here. You know, gone on over an hour here in time. We've talked about a lot. Yeah. Covered. We covered a lot. You've given us a lot to really think about. So we have a closing tradition on the program where I like to ask the guests, because we speak about so much and people can only retain so much at one time here, if you would leave people one thing and one thing to remember, what would it be?
1: May it be a sentence?
0: May it be a sentence, yeah.
1: I wanna tell people the feeling they always have and they always had inside their chest that they are meant for something bigger is true. They have to claim it and believe in it. It is true. It's waiting for you. Trust your inner voice and you will get there. Everyone. Everybody knows there is a force inside of them that needs to come out. That person is there and you are right. That's
0: it. Wonderfully wonderfully said. And if I may, I would add on to that. If it feels difficult, if it feels really, really hard, it means you're doing something right. It means you're, you're moving in the right direction, you know, change is, change is always hard and the push, the compulsion to step back and go back in the other direction and start regressing is always going to be there as a temptation. But if you just give into that and you start going back in the other direction in the long run, you're going to hate yourself for it.
1: Regret is your guideline.
0: Regret, regret is horrible. It's the worst thing ever.
1: Don't is your guideline. You regret it. Don't do it.
0: All right. Talk to him, Thomas. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank thanks you for sir. Thanks, thanks. thanks for every thanks for being so open, so candid, and giving us so much to so much to really learn from. Um, you know, a lot of people, not a lot, but some people when they come on here, they're they're cagey. I can tell they're nervous about saying too much. And they worry about how it's gonna come across if they say this, that, or the other. And so, you know, when you have someone who can come on, they can really kind of open up and you know, this is really the language of the brain, of the human brain, is when people can really communicate on a on a deeper level rather than just kind of going through, you know, the fundamentals of their program and stuff like that. We can learn all that from, from your website. I, yes. I can go on your website and learn everything yes. about your coaching program, yes. but yes. I don't, and I can read your biography too, but yes. my, my own voice reading your words, it's not the same as hearing it from your mouth.
1: Yes.
0: And that matters a lot here too. So I know people deeply appreciate it um, when a guest can do that for them. So thank you again. Again, happy Mother's Day to you. Happy Mother's Day thank to you. all, all the mothers out there who are listening to this right now, or will listen to it in the future, even if it's past Mother's Day. Um, appreciate you all. And I appreciate you talk to him. Thomas.
1: Thank you, Sean. Thank you for what, having me.
0: Where can people find you the most? I'll put all your social media and website stuff in the show notes like I do with everyone else, but where can people find you?
1: I am on Instagram at okay. talk Thomas. And that's where you find me, T-O-K-T-A-M-Thomas, T-H-O-M-A-S. Right. And uh, shoot me a DM. That's the quickest way. Um, and you can also obviously go through my website. And mm-hmm. once you click the button, uh, you will actually be talking to me. So that's my personal phone right there. And we'll be texting or calling. So okay. there's the wa- no the- robot in between.
0: Is the uh, website attached to your Instagram? Is that in the, uh, in the, in the
1: It is a new website that I would like to share with you. It is not okay. uh, on my Instagram. It, it's tt-health.com.
0: health. Okay. Dot com. tt-health.com. Okay. Correct. Okay. That's easy enough to remember. Yes. All right. So... All right. Well, again, thank you so much, and thanks to everyone who is listening. Again, I want to say Happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. Enjoy your day. Know that you're appreciated, Mom. If you're listening, I don't know if you ever will, but I love ya. So, and, you. So, know, I, I shot I shot her a text earlier, so yeah. she's probably still sleeping. So uh, she'll get it at some point. She'll respond to it probably about three in the afternoon. But yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah but. Um, Thank you again to everyone who's been listening. This is the Fitness Reborn podcast. Again, my name is Sean. My guest today has been Talk Tom Thomas. She is a mindset, fitness, nutrition, and health coach. Yes. Incredible background, incredible advice. Check her out on her social media. Reach out to her if you would like.
1: Until Thank next you. time,
0: until next time, everybody. Move forever. Peace out. Thank Have you. a great day.
1: Thank you. Bye.
0: Bye. Hey, thanks for listening. Don't forget, you can become a supporter of the show by becoming a monthly subscriber. No commitments, cancel anytime. Every little bit helps, and I'd sure love your support. Also, you can click any of the links to our social media platforms provided in the show notes, and you can email me at renfitnesswarriors at gmail.com. That's Ren, R-E-N, fitnesswarriors at gmail.com. If you got a fitness story to tell, I'd love to hear it. You never know, you might just find yourself on the show. Until next time, train hard. Peace.